Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. Hope everyone is having a great 2023 so far. The best year yet. It's going to be. Well, we're back for the new year. and We're ready to go after a little break. We're excited to get it kicked off. Hope you guys are too. Got Randy Reed on the show today. There's a lot to say about Randy Reed. Aside from uh, being the lighting director for the Marshall Tucker Band in the 1970s and 80s, Randy was here in Knoxville when it all began. The whole production monster started. Back in the Cinetel, Ross Bagwell days from that family tree of production, Randy was there from the start. And there's a lot to be said about the origin story of the film and television business in Knoxville. And uh, we got into that whole story uh, on the Beth McDonald episode back number 114, I believe it was. So if you're interested in a deeper dive into that, go back and reference that because it digs a little deeper into it. But Randy hit a little bit of it while he was here. Uh, Randy's about to retire from Aeroflex, the camera and lighting company uh, where he's been an ambassador to their camera and lighting products for a really long time. But that's just a part of his story. Uh, Randy's son, Ryan Reed, has been on the podcast here before and uh, was kind enough to bring his dad over for the podcast. And uh, Ryan actually sat in the shop while we talked. You may hear him from uh, over in the corner uh, from time to time. But I kind of watched Ryan you know, look at his dad and watch his dad speak to me with with uh he looked at him with with admiration. He was proud of his dad. It was a super cool moment for me to kind of look over at Ryan and and see how much his dad meant to him and see how proud he was of what all his dad's accomplished. It was really neat. And I hope it was a big moment for them too. Randy just recently uh, beat cancer and we didn't talk a lot about that, but that was a big part of his life. And uh, you could just tell that their their family is happy to to have their dad and uh, they're proud of what all he's accomplished in his life. And they should be because he's done a lot. There's there's no way to get through all of it with Randy in an hour and some change uh, like we did. But but we tried and, and we got to some of it. And maybe he'll be back one day uh, on his next trip back up here from Florida. But I hope you guys enjoy our chat. Here's my talk with the legendary... Randy Reed. We're doing the pop cast. Well, they, I, I, I was thinking about you today, and I was like, if, if we had to put a Mount Rushmore of Knoxville production together, I think you'd be on it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, uh, but it's... Uh, it, you know, like uh, Jerry Garcia said, it's been a long, strange trip. <laughs> I bet it has. How, yeah. 50 years? 50 years. Yeah, I did a, my first show. I was 19, real show. I'd been doing stuff in high school, uh, sock hops and, you know, ROTC dances and, and that kind of stuff, stage lighting, you know. And then and then that morphed into 
what we used to call psychedelic lighting. Yeah. Uh, on it, you know, we'd hang a sheet behind a band, backlight it. Well, no, we would go out front with uh uh with uh, overhead projectors. Mm. And that's where all that stuff on the on the sheets you see flashing up there and all yeah. that kind of stuff and all kinds yeah. of weird stuff that kind of morphed into that uh, on it. And then, you know, the bands that are big bands are old for most of people, but they were, they were new. I mean, people like Jethro Tull and uh, Cream and Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck and uh, all these great guitar players. They were, that was young back in our day, you right. know, that's 50 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, we were doing shows with those people, uh, on it. And then, but what was happening with the rock and roll business is that it was all about the sound, not really the lighting, mm. uh, on it, you know, which is probably understandable, you know, uh, I didn't know sound from lighting. I was just there to help <laughs> <laughs> because the deal was I could help my friends do it and get in and see the show free. Uh, say, yeah, man, I'll be there. I ain't got nothing to do. It's perfect. Uh, and then that, so that warped into something where, you know, pretty soon lighting started getting important for the bands and the entertainers. And one thing led to another. And uh, next thing you know, a friend of mine got Natalie Cole uh, tour. Wow. And uh, somehow I ended up on it and uh, I became Natalie's lighting director. And one thing led to another. And I stayed with her a couple of years and doing one offs in between. And that went to a band called the Azu Brothers uh, on it. And, <laughs> you know, and then I stayed with the Azu. The Azus were, uh, they were so rich that uh, they just planned. You know, they would say, we're going to go out and we're going to tour for three months. I did the P-Funk tour. Uh, George Clinton? George Clinton. And, uh, and the Azu Brothers were on it. And I'm talking about 70,000 people a night. And this is back in the seventies. So this is arenas. Well, they're they're outdoor shows. Okay, coliseums and gotcha. stuff like that. Uh, and you know, so all of a sudden we kind of started getting, hey, we people want us to do this, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, it's so, interesting that you came up like along with the craft. You started yeah. kind of when it became important. Yeah, you know, it became a thing that nobody was doing yet because it wasn't important. Yeah, there's a path forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was, uh, and maybe it's like that now with some people. I don't know. We were just so excited to be around this stuff. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, uh, you know, we're doing the Allman Brothers and the Marshall Tucker Band and uh, Jeff Beck and, uh, you know. Uh, and Tina all you Turner. wanted to do was get in for free. <laughs> just to get in for free, you know. I mean, you know, the guys that were doing it were getting paid, but I just said, hey, man, I'll, I'll give you a hand if I can just get in free. And, and, and so it was all good. Started uh, at sock hops? Is this, this is like high school dances and yeah, things like yeah. that? That's right when it became interesting yeah it was yeah yeah now i look back on and say oh man it's pretty cool uh, uh on you know what we did and stuff and and uh, i've got a million stories but uh, there's still a few of those fellows still around <clears throat> there's you know a lot of them are, are dying but uh you know i say here let them tell you their story <laughs> <laughs> I was just long for the ride. Yeah. And, and and I got some pretty good stories, but these guys were the real real guys. Are you uh, from Knoxville? No, I I'm uh I was born in Oklahoma, but I moved to Florida when I was about ten years old. Okay. And my stepfather was in the space program. Oh really? Uh, so we moved to Cocoa Beach. Okay. That uh sixties, sixty two, sixty four, something like that. 
What were you into growing up? Uh, uh, geez, I don't know girls, I think. <laughs> yeah, that, pro- that happens about 15. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't hardly remember it anymore, you know. My life has been so full of show business and stuff, but, uh, huh? You got some surfing. Oh, yeah, I was a surfer. I grew up in Cocoa Beach, and I was a surfer, and uh, and that was pretty cool, you know, that kind of stuff. Did you, uh, the space program, how far from, like, Cape Canaveral is, uh, yeah. is Cocoa Beach? It's right there. It's right next door. Right next door, yeah. Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach, Satellite Beach, Indian Harbor Beach, and then if you went inland, Merritt Island, and that's where I have a house on Merritt Island now. So that's where you live now? Yeah. Okay, so, so Florida's home. Well, really, people say, where do you live? I say, Tennessee. Really? Yeah. But I say, but I hang out down in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, and sometimes, I mean, Debbie's not been uh, to Florida with me f- a full week this whole year, mm. the whole last year. Your wife? Yeah, she's been in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, we have a house in, Ten- uh, in Fountain City. So uh, the boys grew up here. You had, a uh, like, what, 18 boys or something uh, like that? <laughs> We have six, uh, <laughs> four boys, two girls. Yeah. Uh, on it. and uh, and so you know, we uh, I thought that I'm gonna sell the house. I'm gonna move to Florida. Somebody said, "Why are you going to Florida?" I said, "Well, that's where all the old people go." <laughs> so I'm going down there myself. But I told Debbie, I said, "We're never gonna get away from these kids uh, on it if we don't move." <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> Got to get away from them. Yeah. They're not going to leave us well, alone. I can't afford them. <laughs> uh, but I was quickly reminded that uh, once you're a dad, you're a dad forever. Uh, mm. on it. You know, don't matter how long, you know, I, my kids are in their 30s. Yeah. Uh, on it. And, Still uh, there just like the day. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we moved down to Florida. And every time I turned around, we was in Tennessee. Yeah. Staying with one of the kids. Yeah. So we got us a place up here and stuff. Awesome. Uh, and this will be our forever house in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, one day. Somebody got to take care of us. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> and they owe me big time. <laughs> Everybody's going to say, look who's back. Yeah. 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 Dad's back. <laughs> so, so you're... So you're starting to get on the road a lot as a stage technician at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. How did that transition from being just the helper to actually being a a, a member of the crew happen? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a blur, really. Uh, I can tell you how it happened. Most of the time, it was somebody quit, and Next we got a show up. tonight, and I guess I'll do it. Uh, yeah. On it. It's really not... Kind of, kind of like that, really. But I had a pretty good handle on how to do it before it got to that point. So I'd been a few years on the road and doing opening bands and and figuring it out. It was one of those things that you know I just got it. Yeah, uh, on it. You know, uh, the whole lighting business, TV, movies, the whole bits. I just got it. You know. So, so if you're setting up for these live concerts, are you putting the truss up that all the lights are going to be hung oh, yeah. from and? Yeah. Yeah, building hands. the stages? Not building the stages, but, you know, by the time we were doing Marshall Tucker Band, it, we as they grew, we grew. And so, you know, uh, the shows got bigger. Yeah. And so it was all, you know, we pull in a place and it was all stage hands, and it was just, 
you know, managing, you know, I need this over here. I need that over here. I need this set up over here, sir. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and just direct the stagehands and they would put it together. But it was our responsibility to make sure it was right and safe, mm-hmm. safe. Number one. That is number one. Cause that stuff is big and it's heavy and there's a lot of people underneath it. Oh geez. And a lot of important people underneath it too. Yeah. In a lot of cases. I could tell you some stories that just, you go, Oh my God. Uh, one night I did tell the Marshall Tucker Brown, Tommy Caldwell, I said, Tommy, uh, we either got to get a new lighting system or you're going to have to get a new lighting guy. Cause I said, I can't put this over your head anymore. Really? <laughs> it scares me. Really? You know, Cause we were so young and, and, you know, it was all just starting back then, you know. I mean, all the stuff, the moving lights and the, and the shows they got today, my gosh, they're incredible. 20 tractor truckers uh, and that type of stuff. But uh, It's outrageous to me how big these productions are. Yeah, they're too now. big in my opinion. Really? Yeah. What's it, a perfect size show outdoor? Mm-hmm. Well, what is a perfect size show? Outdoor? To, yeah, an out, outside venue. I'd say, well, it depends on who you are. Yeah. I mean, you know. Kenny Chesson's selling out New York, you know, Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, 40,000, 60,000 people. Uh, you think that's too big? Maybe not for outdoor shows, but when they're playing amphitheaters and stuff like that, it's too big for me. All the screens and the moving lights and, and everything, but, you know, I'm old. So, <laughs> uh, the, uh, but for me, it's about the music. And what the lighting directors did in my day, it was our job, is to not only set the mood for the tempo of the music, but draw the audience's attention to where you wanted it on the stage. Mm-hmm. And that's the job of a lighting director lighting a band in my day. <laughs> yeah. I think that's still the case, right? Well, I think it is. There's a lot more going on now, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it is. But there's so much going on, and sometimes, it, to me, it's not about the music. It's about the show. The spectacle takes away the... <laughs> yeah, because, the spe- the, yep. you know, the show, The really, at the end of the day, in my day, anyway, with the Marshall Tucker Band and stuff, it was about the music. You know, the music was what was important yeah. uh, on it, you know, and doing the best you could do. When did that start? When did? How did you work your way on to the Marshall Tucker uh, Band? What year was that? Yeah. Uh, 1973, 74. That's a sweet spot right there. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> where'd you Where'd you hook up with them, and and how'd you get on the road with those guys, and how long did it last? Well, a friend of mine was doing the same guy that put me on Natalie Cole, and now um, had gone and uh, hooked up with them somehow. Now he was doing the lighting for the Marshall Tucker Band, also. Hmm. And another one of our friends was the lighting director, and. Uh, so I had a falling out with Natalie Coe's people myself. And so I left Natalie and I was on my way back down to Florida and I called the lighting director for the Marshall Tucker band. And I said, Hey, I'm headed home. I'll tell you just about the story when you get home. And he said, well, we've got the buses down at the lake. And these are two buses that the Marshall Tucker band had one for the crew and one for the band. And they were home and, but the road crew guys didn't go home. They weren't going to be home for a couple of days. So they took the buses to the lake and they got the buses down there and they're cooking out. And, you know, and it's, I mean, you think about it, it's pretty cool way to camp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he said, why don't you just come on by here, you know, and, and hang out. So I did. And 
met everybody and everything. And so they were getting ready to go on the road and I was saying my goodbyes. And the road manager said, man, we've got an extra bunk on the, on the bus. You want to go with us? And I said, sure, I'll go with you. And, uh, so I went with them and, the and that story could go on and on. Uh, it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it got better about it. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, the first show we I did with him was with Leonard Skinner and Hart. Wow. And there was 52,000 people there. Where was it? Uh, my high stadium in Colorado. Oh, wow. Uh, on it. It was, it was like, holy shit, look at this. Look at me. That I'm was on your- stage. <laughs> and there's 50,000 people out here. So that yeah. was your first gig with with Marshall Tucker Brown. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's a good way to start. Was it did you ever play did you ever play a place that big again as a yeah. lighting director? Yeah, yeah, several times bigger than that. Really? Yeah. We did a show with the Grateful Dead uh in English Town, New Jersey, and there was a hundred and fifty six thousand people at it. Wow. You remember what year it was, Ron? just listen to that yeah i don't i don't really know remember what, what year it was but uh you know had to fly the equipment in from we couldn't get within five miles of the stage and so we had to park five miles away untake unload the gear in the parking lot helicopter land put the stuff in there fly over to the gig five miles away land unload it a couple times wow uh, and that kind of stuff but that's the biggest show i ever worked on unreal yeah yeah, you don't really realize it. That that's what you're doing. Uh, on it, until everybody you, shows up. Yeah, I mean, it's people. 156,000 people as far as you can see. Yeah, uh, on it. That's unreal, huh? 1977. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point, you worked your way into the the mm. TV business, yeah, though, in the film business, and yeah. was that a transition from the road? Uh, to something that was a little, I don't know, more settled down or more uh, kinda predictable. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, the problem was the Marshall Tucker Band was a bunch of guys that had been to Vietnam, and if they weren't in Nam, they had been in the service, and uh, and they were real men. The road crew. Or the band. And the band. And the band. Yeah. You know, Toy Caldwell and his brother Tommy were both in the Marines. And Toy was a league guitar player. He was in Vietnam. And uh, there was two or three others, you know, there. And lots, lots of the road crew there, you know, who were some badass guys, I'm going to tell you. They were badass men. <laughs> I bet. They had been to Nam. They'd been shot, cut. They did some shooting themselves. And so our road crew was... Uh, military orientated <laughs> how, how did you fit into that uh i did exactly what they told me to do yeah <laughs> uh which was fine because really the whole thing behind it was is that we're the very best that there is in the business here it is and we're going to show you why and we did so when you left that and then i uh, got in the tv business and people didn't have a clue <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> of what that kind of camaraderie Yes. And they wanted to be big time, but they really didn't know how. And, you know, and that was Ross Bagwell. I mean, you know, and uh, and so I started turning them on and getting T-shirts and 
jackets and hats with the name of the company on it and uh uh and then we finally built our first big tractor trailer grip truck and uh at Cenotel at Cenotel yeah uh, so so explain that a little bit how you how you met Ross Bagwell yeah well uh I told you the story earlier but really I was the production supervisor for the World's Fair in 1982 I left the Marshall Tucker band went to work for the World's Fair and I had the lovely job of being in charge of everything on the band's rider. So I was in charge of all the entertainment uh, yeah. once they got here, uh, which was cool, you know. And there was a lot going on, believe me, uh, on it, doing the biggest act that you could possibly do. You know, Red Skelton, Frank, you know, I mean, jeez, uh, Molly Hatch. Jeez, uh, I can't even remember who, who they were now, but big acts. Uh, where were these stages in world's fair park do you uh it, it, does it all look so different now that it's really hard to put it together kind of yeah. yeah uh, uh <laughs> it, well it is hard i mean the sun sphere you know if you go down where the amphitheater is and stuff yeah. and start working your way back towards town mm-hmm. uh, on it they were all in there, you know. Gotcha. I mean, there was stuff everywhere. I mean, everywhere you looked, there was stuff. I mean, uh, it was the only World's Fair that ever made money. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was because I 40 the way it, all the trucks and people come through. Ran Knoxville. everybody right into it. Right. Couldn't and the Smoky again. Mountain Park, you know, 11 million visitors. Yeah. So, I mean, it was packed every day. It's the biggest party in town. Yeah. Uh, on it. The last for six months. For six months. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, party. Yeah. People from everywhere. And every single night, there was hundreds of thousands of people walking around town uh, on them. Man. It, it was cool. It sounds like it was a huge party. Yeah. I've, I've heard my dad tell stories about it because he was, I think he's about your age. Yeah. And it was the time of his life. He was 20 something, yeah. maybe. Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was great. Like you said, it was a party every night. It was like New Orleans in, yeah. in Knoxville for and six And I months. was the production supervisor. So I could go anywhere I wanted to go. You had I had, that. had an office over at the Coliseum because we did a lot of shows in there in the auditorium and the mm. Coliseum. And I had an office on the World's Fair side. So. I could pull in. I could park here or there. That's perfect. And uh, Debbie and I lived across the street from Fort Loudon, and they had a barge that came in from the lake uh, into the World's Fair that had the fireworks on it. So we could literally get on our boat and take it to the barge and tie up to it and get on the barge and walk off when we were in the World's Fair. Uh, <laughs> so you couldn't get away from the thing. <laughs> oh, there was no getting away from it. I had the Marshall Tucker Band, all the Marshall Tucker Band guys here, and, and they were all being pulled by, you know, they had the little rig shawls, and, and then the people were, the horses and stuff, they're all in there, they're drunk, they're having a big Carriages. time. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fun. But that's where I met Ross. Ross was shooting a commercial for uh, uh for beer for the Australian Pavilion. Foster, is it Foster? Yeah, the big oil cans. Yeah, big oil can. Yeah. And uh, he came over and uh, uh, asked me if I could turn the lights on over to where he was at and stuff, and I said, sure. And we just got into a conversation, and that's when he told me he had a television show that he was getting ready to shoot, and he needed a lighting person, and would I be interested in it? And uh, and it's... And what did they say? And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> did you feel like you could do it? Did you feel good about it from being on well, the road with all those, with all those battered boys? 
Well, I tell you, when all those battered boys take took off and I wasn't on that bus, <laughs> I, I probably cried. Really? Uh, it was weird. I mean, it really was. Uh, I met my wife on the road with the Marshall Tucker Band. Wow. And, uh, uh, so, you know, a lot of stuff. If you go see them now, they would say that all these kids would, wouldn't even been here for one for the Marshall Tucker Band. <laughs> uh, it, it touches everybody. It's it, when when some of their stuff comes on, everybody everybody yeah. knows it. I tell you, it, it is. I've got you know friends all over the world, and uh, but one of my friends in California is going through a divorce, and this is just lately. And sometimes he'd call me up, and he'd be in some bar. And he'd say, hey, man, can't you see he's on the radio? <laughs> and I said, I, I know every word, brother. <laughs> and uh, uh, you want to talk about it? He said, nah. Uh, he said, I just want to let you know, can't you see he's on the, on the jukebox? Yeah. Uh, thinking so, of you, man. Thinking of you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's my claim to fame, really. Uh, yeah. On it, you know. But you did uh, so much other you've done so much other great stuff since as well yeah yeah i did i've been lucky man i'll tell you it uh but you know i'm of the ages that when we started it was a long time ago you know yeah. i mean i went to work for ross bagwell in 1982 yeah uh, you know and i've known him since 81 uh, uh, and that's when that's when all the that's when everything started over there at the scripts building right and a big reason that we have <laughs> the production infrastructure that we have in knoxville today started with that company right then and uh you know and and now that i'm back i've been all over the place since that started uh on it and uh but when i look back at it and what we really did and where it's at now uh then it kind of hits you you know it's like wow geez you know we started this uh on it you You did i mean it if I didn't hire every lot lighting director that's in this town, <laughs> they worked with me. I promise you, guarantee every it. single one of them. I, you just name them, and if they didn't, they weren't born yet uh, on it. You know, uh, on it, uh, on it. But there's some good people doing it. But we, it was. Uh, I brought that Marshall Tucker band. Hey, we're going to be the best attitude with me. Yeah, and uh, and I ran into some old boys that had the same kind of train of thought. And, uh, so we were all kind of together and we're the ones that made it happen. And, uh, and, and we love it and we love the work and we love you all and everything, but we're going to do it right. (laughs) And we learned how to do it right. And really at the end of the day, pretty pictures is what sold it. The scripts, it was pretty pictures. And they looked at how much money it cost Ross to do it. And wasn't that much. So what were some of those early days like? How many TV shows were being made right when the studio was built over there, Cenotel? I'd say we probably had two or three then. That was in 1986, I think, when we built the studio over there that are there now. Wow. But that morphed into something else. You know, we we got a big show with Nickelodeon. So we were doing stuff for the Nashville Network, A and E, and Discovery. And had two or three shows on each one of them, really, uh, on it, you know, of different types and stuff like that. But it was all Walmart television. But it looked good. That's it. And that was the, that was the hook. Yeah. It looked great. It looks like anywhere else you could get it done. Cost less. A lot less, you know. 
but it grew so so much so that it caught the attention of a news company in Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. E.W. Scripps Company. Purchased Cenotel? Yeah, it, that's that's a short way there, and that's probably the way to go. Or We don't have enough time to tell how it really happened. <laughs> but uh, I can tell you that I cried. <laughs> really? You didn't like the... Well, the- I just... Uh, you know, it was a tight bunch of people uh, there because we'd done a lot of stuff. And, well, we made it to where Ross was getting ready to sell it for millions. Mm-hmm. Uh, on it. I don't really know what the number is. I've heard lots of them, but there were several yeah. million. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was cool. But it, but once it sold, it was different. You know, the, the folks that bought it didn't really understand it. And the truth of the matter is we didn't understand them <laughs> <laughs> uh, on it. So it was uh, part of it was this survival. We needed a job to work, and some of it was we're not going to work here another minute. <laughs> really? Uh, on it because it was just it was all corporate. They had sixteen thousand employees. It owned seventeen newspapers, fifteen television stations, and all the rights to Peanuts and Delbert the comics. Yeah. Mm. That that was. Uh... Kind of, I feel like when Knoxville production entered the real kind of next, the big leagues, really. I yeah. guess. Well, they had deep pockets. Yeah. So that was a a beautiful thing. But it that meant more programming was going to be made here, right? Yep. And so that happened. That happened. Different production companies sprung up around that. Absolutely. Part of the marketplace. Yeah, because you know, in the beginning, it was just HGTV. There was no DIY or the Food Network or any of that stuff. It was just HGTV, and mm-hmm. that was 1994 mm-hmm. uh, on it. And the matter of fact, the Food Network, somebody else had already started it, but they couldn't get it off the ground whatsoever. And so, you know, Ken Lowe was responsible for it all. And the people that he surrounded himself with, but uh, uh, he bought it and made it into what it is, you know. But when we built the studio for the Food Network, we literally was in Chelsea Market in New York City and took the roof off the building and raised it so we could put the grid in for the show, for the Food Network. You took the roof from Chelsea Market? Off this particular building. And and took it to the studio in Knoxville? No, no. We just built it up. Oh, okay. Uh, on it because it was too low. And so we could hang the grid in it to light because the new shows were going to be Food Network were all shot in New York. Ah, so you were traveling at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not a, uh, hadn't started really traveling a lot there, but we got to the point where I was traveling. We did a lot of shows, Wish You Were Here and Dancing at the Hot Spots. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was big time stuff. I mean, we built a, you know, we had shows on Nickelodeon. And uh, matter of fact, we had the number one show on Nickelodeon. So. Uh, show about a dude ranch and a bunch of kids on it and hey dude hey dude hey dude <laughs> i loved that show yeah uh, yeah lots of people did uh, on it and uh you know and uh so we're shooting that out in tucson and uh and w- we rented a grip truck in the beginning and it cost us seven thousand dollars a week uh, on it and it was <sighs> Did you say $7,000 a week? <laughs> uh, on it, yeah. I mean, it had a generator on it, big HMIs, and, and, the whole bit, and the whole bit. That was the early 90s? Yeah. 
Yeah. And one day Ross came up to me and he said, how much do you think it costs to build one of these things? Just like that. And I'm in the middle of shooting a multi-camera television show on location. They got actors that are no older than 17 on it and they're everywhere uh, on it. And uh, I said, I don't know, Ross, about 300 grand probably. And that was the end of the conversation. A week or so later, he came up to me. He said, uh, hey, they're going to have NAB, which is the National Association of Broadcasters, in Atlanta, Georgia this year. He said, uh, you got your list together? I said, what list? He said, build that grip truck. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know? But I was so happy to hear that that I, I'll get it to you, believe me. And you did? Uh, you built it? Yeah, we did build it. Cost six hundred thousand, <laughs> not three hundred, uh, on it. It was called the Shooting Star, uh, on it, and it was incredible. What What was it? What was the What was the chassis? A brand new tractor. Okay, had the frame stretched on it, <clears throat> bobtailed it all the way to Los Angeles. If you don't think that's a bumpy ride, you're wrong. What's bobtailing? No trailer. Mm. Oh, so there's no weight back there. So every right. time you hit a bump, back in comes off the ground about two feet but uh had generator mounted on it it was a 400 amp three phase crawford ac dc blimps stainless steel cable reels that have 2500 feet of four out on both sides uh, on it it's a heavy duty generator huh heavy duty generator oh it's most picture generator yeah it was ready to go you know 60 db it's 50 feet you know it was the real deal uh, on it and we, we we got it and we bought all brand new lighting it was all airy lights and uh went over to matthews and spent fifty sixty thousand dollars over there and uh you know i spent the money everywhere uh, on it but ross was <clears throat> getting ready to make it all right he changed he bought a new sound console you know hell it looked like it was as long as a football field you know but i, I don't know much about sound so uh but it was nice and it was expensive. I know that, you know. What'd you take it and shoot with it after you after you had that built out? Uh, on, we took it and built it and took it to Arizona and put it on Hey Dude uh, on it. Sent that $7,000 a week home. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And ours looked just like it. Really? It was a carbon <laughs> copy. Pretty close. <laughs> I, you know, I don't really want to tell everybody, but it's pretty close. Uh you know, we had added some stuff and put a little bit of our own touches on it. But I took the trailer to Los Angeles and gave it to two key grips and told them to build the ultimate trailer that they always wanted. Mm. And I didn't care how much it cost. <laughs> <laughs> and they built it. And it was incredible. Man, you walk on that truck and it was put together. It was shelved and the whole floor was rubber mats and it had... Uh, Everything was built in, and you could take a camera apart or a light apart right inside there. Had a table that fell, fell down, had a light on it, had all your tools. You could work on it and stuff. But all the, everything, but underneath was the jockey boxes. It had all the cable in it, you know. And what made these jockey boxes unique is they could slide out either side of the trailer. So it didn't matter what side of the road you were on. Uh, on it, which you would think is not a big deal, but it is. I bet it is. It means you don't have to turn it around. Yeah, turn around a big tractor trailer and uh, park it on the other side just yeah. to get all your stuff out. Mm. So we had it painted. The shooting yeah. star. 
Yeah, I didn't want to call it the shooting star. Ross did. Uh, on it. But you notice I said we had it painted. I'm coming from the Marshall Tucker Band. Yeah. All of our trucks and buses are painted. And this is how you do it <laughs> on it. And uh, so it's got a $20,000 paint job on it. I wanted to call it the picture maker. Uh, Not the it. shooting star. Right. And Ross said, no, I'll call it the shooting star. Well, it's, it's his truck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're going to call it that. But he had a paint scheme in the whole thing. Uh, on it. it was a big swoosh on it, like on a Nike and everything, you know, and uh, it was two, two different colors and uh, had stars on it. And it said, Cenotel in block letters, you know, two feet tall across the trailer. And underneath it, it said, The Shooting Star, mm. Knoxville, Tennessee. And, buddy, you would have thought we were the Rolling Stones. Really? <laughs> this is our truck. Yeah. That truck was so nice, I swear to God, I didn't want anybody to use it. <laughs> uh, on, seriously. Uh, on it. And if they mistreated it, I'd want to kill them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not kidding you. I bet. Uh, I mean, we had every single thing you could possibly want on it, uh, on it, you know. Anything anybody could think of, we bought it uh, on it. And I knew I was only going to get it once. <laughs> uh, on it. I'm going to tell you a quick story about it. Do it. <clears throat> and you said I could say anything, so I'm going to tell you what Ross Bagwell told me when I was building this. What I told him was 300000 turned out to be a little over six hundred. But it's 12 o'clock at night in the studio, and we're trying to get it painted, all the C-stands painted, and our name on the Apple boxes and, uh, you know, stuff put together. And uh, we've got the generator, and we've got the lights, and we've got everything we need. And I, Ross is foaming at the mouth because he wants that truck to cost him 7000 a week out of there, and he's on it. And I don't blame him. But I had everything but the power distribution. And I hadn't. I hadn't thought that out yet. Uh, I got so busy buying lights and grip equipment and tractors and trailers and generators and having this done and that done. I didn't have any way to turn it on. <laughs> and it's midnight, and I walked up to his office. He's there, and Ross, a big man, if you don't know him, and uh, uh, a good-looking man, but he's big. He's a big man, and he smoked a pipe, and you can imagine a big man smoking a pipe coming off the corner of their mouth. Uh, on it and a little bit of smoke coming out of it and talking to you and uh i said ross i hate to tell you this he said you got that truck ready i said uh, almost <laughs> <laughs> all i lack's finishing up yeah i said uh i got one little problem and he said what's that i said i can't turn it on <laughs> i don't have a power distribution and uh and uh, and it costs quite a bit of money and he said, uh, Randy, that grip truck is starting to remind me of a girl I used to know. <laughs> and I said, how's that, sir? He said, I whined and dined her for six months. And we finally got in a sack, and she looked at me, and she said, that'd be $100, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he named her the shooting star after that. Yeah. <laughs> He was proud of it. Yeah. Believe me, we all were. I mean, it was the, it was as good as Hollywood, anything Hollywood had. I tell you, it was built by Hollywood people. Uh, on it, I mean, it had chrome wheels and everything. I mean, everything you could make it look pretty. It was there. It was on it, and it was my truck. You know, I yeah. mean, I've, 
You know, you want to get on that truck, you ask Randy Reed. Well, what happens? You move on from there and and what? Well, uh, you know, we did a bunch of shows and uh, 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 that kind of stuff. And then Ross sold the place, you know, and uh, and that's when, you know, life really changed uh, on it. You know, there was a lot of people that didn't. You had a lot of good. The people that uh, actually made it happen that Ross hired were very smart people and they knew what they were doing how to build a network uh, on it, you know. Uh, they'd already built networks and stuff, and he hired them away from different companies uh, on it. And so he had a, you know, he the right people there. They didn't really know anything about production, and I'm not quite sure how all that happened because we kind of just took it up on ourselves to make it happen for them because they didn't get it. I turned in the... I was putting the budget together and I turned in for spare bulbs. Back then, a 12K bulb cost $3,000. Probably still does. I don't even know if you can make them, if they make them anymore, those, because they were double-ended, not single-ended. Uh, on it. Uh, Just a bulb for a, for yeah. a light. Well, they were $3,000 a piece. We had several yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then there were, you know, some that cost 1500 and all that kind of stuff. The lady at Scripps thought I had the budget for Everything that they owned, 15 television <laughs> stations, 27 newspapers. She thought I was buying bulbs for for the whole company. And, and you know, and I said, I had to explain to her. I said, no, ma'am. Uh, that's, you know, I don't know anything about anything else you own. This is what we got going on here. And she said, $10,000? <laughs> I thought that was for the whole building. Yeah, she did. She did. Uh, on that. And, uh, so it was that kind of that they didn't know that stuff, you right. know. Uh and so it was it was hard really to be honest with you. I mean it it really was. And then I got a real bad reputation. So really? my Yeah, because I just wouldn't uh well, first of all, I had that Marine this you know, it, it's time to go to work. Yeah. It's I want you here at this time and I want you to turn right <laughs> and go here and be here and blah, blah, blah. I'd come from that military mindset mm-hmm. uh on it and kind of ran Cenotel that way uh on it and uh but the right kind of people were there that wanted to do it right and thought they were pretty bad themselves uh on it and uh but when uh scripts got it things changed man we used to cuss and smoke in the studio and put <laughs> cigarettes out on the floor and uh all kinds of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you tell somebody what you thought of them and they tell you and, you know, and Ross said to me one time, he said, Randy, you've been fired and you have quit. He said, you're the only guy I know that's been fired, that's quit and been fired as many times as you have and never missed one minute of work. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get rid of the guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess not. Uh, you know, just mad at the moment or, or whatever. <clears throat> but Ross, I tell you, you know, all of them smart people. Uh, but you knew, said you got a bad reputation. How would you get a bad reputation? Well, because, I, because Scripps bought it. <clears throat> And they didn't know what they were doing, in my humble opinion, in the beginning. They were TV station people. And I would say, well, TV stations where they roll the tape of the stuff that we made. 
uh, on it. And uh, they didn't get that. You know, they'd hired people from TV stations that say, well, we've got a, a shoot over here at this nursery because it was HGTV stuff. And, and, uh, and she'd tell me and I'd get the crew together. And I mean, she didn't really know what it was. Got, they're going to take him over there. I'm going to walk him down through the nursery and, you know, he's going to stop and he's going to say his piece and, <laughs> and we're, and we're going to go on. It's, it's not really a big deal, but it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, you got to set that up. Well, you wanted to make the stuff that you guys were shooting look good, right? Yes. So, did that seem to be one of the compromises that was made during the yeah. acquisition? Eventually it was. Yeah. It, they kind of took all the passion out of it. For me, it was. I, You know, they had passionate people there, believe me, because a lot of these people that had come from all over the country, this was their big chance. You know, this was big time television. To work at a big cable network. Right. Exactly. So they were, they had passion. They just didn't have knowledge. The sad part about it is they didn't know they didn't know. That'll get you. And that'll get you. And that made me mad. And uh, uh, and that got me in trouble because I said, that ain't going to happen like that. Uh, on, you know, you got to do this. That one particular shoot we did, you know, we got the truck together. We drove over there. We set it up. You know, we take it down, load the truck, come back. She was all upset because she only had 45 minutes. <laughs> in the budget? Or yeah. in the time? In the, in t- time. In the schedule? Yeah, probably the budget too. <laughs> I said, 45 minutes? It's a 30-minute drive one way. <laughs> she said, yeah, all I want to do is have that guy there and he'd go out there and shoot it and come back. I didn't know you had to take a whole truck and everything. I said, well, why are you even at? Tell to me. She was shooting a news segment. It's a car wreck on the side of the road. Yeah. That's what she was knew how to shoot, right? That's what she knew how to shoot. So you had a news company come in, and that's kind of the mentality that was brought to the production side right. of what started to happen in-house. Right. And, uh, and I didn't like it yeah. whatsoever. I don't blame you. Uh, it's, a big, it's a big paradigm shift. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I, they used to say, I had a boss one time said, Randy, what you're saying it's spot on. But he said, damn, that delivery sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want to work again or not? <laughs> you know, and I didn't really give a doggone if I did work again. Matter of fact, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, pass- I was that passionate about it. Uh, on it. I always had the mindset that I could get a job. if I. There were lots of people out there wanting good lighting people on it, and I thought I was good enough that I could get a job. But we're here and we're doing this and we've been doing it and, and it's good. And let's, uh, they just never, I don't think they ever got the, and maybe they did and I didn't, or I wasn't part of what they were doing. You know what I mean? I mean, they probably, cause there's a lot more of them. There was me. They were just dancing a different dance. Yes. They were good at what they did, but it's not what we do. Right. <laughs> and you're trying to do that. Not very tactfully. And, uh, and it was a big corporation, and they didn't do business that way. We weren't cussing and putting our cigarettes out in the studio and and smoking in the control room and, and stuff like that. That wasn't happening on scripts. This is mom and pop. Ross Jr. is the son of the guy that owns the place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he make you so mad you want to cut his head off uh, on it. And uh, so a lot of cussing and 
this, that, and what have you going on. Not with Scripps. Buddy, that was a corporation, <laughs> and this is how you act uh, on it. Tight ship. Not, it lost the lost the feeling of a small yeah lost small it. shop and they didn't get it and pretty soon it was just it was bad you know so where'd you go well i didn't have to go anywhere that finally got to the point where there was so much going on you got to remember now this is over 15 years uh on this is going on and uh um uh, so lots of uh Lots of getting in each other's face, really. He's, Ross used to say lighting was a necessary evil. Uh, he hated that we had to light everything that was going on. Uh, <laughs> he said one day, he said, if Jesus Christ himself would come down here right now, I couldn't shoot him because you have to light him. <laughs> I said, no, sir. When Jesus comes, he's going to be, there's going to be plenty of light. <laughs> Uh, to be the star of the show. Yeah, I don't know how good it's going to look, but it's going to be plenty of it. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, yeah, you know, things just changed. The, uh, they were in the money business uh, on it, and uh, and I knew it. I mean, I, I, I love Ken Lowe and the people around him and all that kind of stuff. I really did. I really respected them. And Ken was making millions uh, over there, and uh, he was serious as a heart attack <laughs> about yeah. how things were going to be done uh, himself and stuff. But he was more—he come from that background himself, you know. That's where he was. He'd sold advertising for uh, all of the television stations. I mean, you know, he used to making money, but not that kind of money. Uh, <laughs> 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 There's a big difference between hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars. Uh, on it it kept growing and kept growing mm-hmm. it did for a long time till it yeah ultimately got sold in 20 i forget 17 something i like guess that. I, I was i was long gone by then yeah you know when it got sold i heard about it and kind of just went really you know i mean wow uh and that kind of thing but not as much as i've said wow now that that i think discovery they're they're gone uh on it they've left the building have they? It's for sale. Yeah, I knew it was for sale. I didn't know if it was. Uh, I, I didn't know that that it was empty. That people weren't. I don't know that you know, it's empty. I know that uh, the guy that ran all the. There's no production. Ah, yeah. Period. Gotcha. No production in that building. Right. So, that's probably the first spot they'll get ready to show a buyer. Mm-hmm. Because that's a big. That's a, a big selling point. Yeah, it's 33 acres out here. You know, uh, and if somebody had the money and the clout. You know, I mean, there's there's potential there. I mean, the Food Network came in there and brought all kinds of power, and and put vents in the ceiling in those studios. Oh, and, recently, yeah, they started filming all the competition shows. Yeah, chopped. Man, I, when I when I went in there, it was all I could do to say, "Holy shit, what have you done to this place?" <laughs> <laughs> it was like. Wow. Uh, and I don't really mean it in a good way uh, on it. Although they needed what they, it was like they were on location and they're going to make this work. And they're from Los Angeles, but evidently there was no space in Los Angeles. They brought all their people and all their equipment. They didn't rent anything from Knoxville and they didn't, they had one or two people that worked there from Knoxville. Yeah. I, I think, 
I know a bunch of people who worked on on those shows when they came through, and it, imp- it seems like it employed a lot of yeah production staff yeah uh, yeah here and there right yeah uh, but didn't yeah. seem like there was many on on set I guess yeah uh, on it yeah, yeah uh, but it's it's crazy to have like you poured the concrete for that studio <laughs> yeah yeah that's you know Ross didn't have any money back in those days. <laughs> Uh, on it and the idea is that you know one is i told you it had to be three feet thick uh on it because you could feel the vibration in the cameras from the road from the traffic on the highway uh on it i mean you could literally feel it uh on it and see it uh so they had to get it real thick you know three feet thick and uh and that type of stuff and there was concrete trucks backed up it seemed like a mile waiting to get in because it was a continuous pour uh on it couldn't stop no no seams no seams in it because the idea is that you could dolly anywhere you wanted to dolly off camera uh on it without setting up a track yeah you can just roll the camera dolly right down the floor right and that was the idea didn't bump or anything yeah Yeah. didn't quite work uh on it you could do it it was a bumpy ride could be yeah only because <laughs> of it was uh that's part of the story you know <laughs> uh how did we get to here uh but what I, happened to the paint on it bubbled ah uh, right and nobody could figure out what it was but what it was is it was sucking water through that concrete three feet deep really and there was so much of it, you know what I mean? Because the studio was big. You've been in there uh, on it. I can tell you it's 100 feet long and 80 feet wide uh, on it. <laughs> I built it. I poured the concrete in it. And now, uh, it's, and now it's getting sold. Yeah. Wired everything in that studio. Every last dimmer, light, whatever. Lit. I wired it uh, on it. The dimmers, everything. They kind of built the building around the studio, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can't make any money with a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's interesting because I feel like the studio in the in the you know, Discovery Warner Brothers building is like where it all kind of started and it all just kind of rippled up and built around it. Of course they built the second they built the second building. Yeah, you know, the second building. I've really never so. been in it. A little bit I have, but not really. You know, and they got the cafeteria. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, they sold it for a lot of money, <laughs> you know, in the billions. Yeah, uh, yeah I wonder I wonder who's going to, uh, who would buy that? Yeah. It's got to be something big. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I don't know how much they're asking for it, you know? It's got to be a lot. I would think so, but maybe not. Maybe this won't get rid of it. I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, it's going to sit there. What's the difference? You know, if nobody buys it, <laughs> we'll sit there. <laughs> And I think the city probably would like to have it somebody buy it, so they're probably willing to give and here and there. Yeah, I'm sure it, it's a huge. Uh, it's a lot of jobs if you're yeah. going to put people in a building. It's just people are kind of able to work remotely now. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. Especially television jobs. Yeah, producers and I guess people so. like that. A lot work from home during the pandemic and yeah. just stayed there. Yeah, you know, I've been working for Ari for the last. Eight years, and uh, for Airflex, yeah, right. and their camera, camera and lighting manufacturer, the biggest, the biggest in the world. They're the largest manufacturer of broadcast and 
motion picture cameras in the world. And they're number one uh, on it. When I took that job, <clears throat> the uh, I tell people it's like getting drafted by the New York Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Because there is the big time if you're in this business, you know. Uh, on it. There's also good cameras and stuff out there. They make the best, you know, the best cameras, the best mm-hmm. lights. Yeah, they do. And, and they're a good company uh, on it. Uh, so, but the reason I'm getting out is one is I'm getting too old to want to fool with it. And uh, and the second part is that they're going in a different direction uh, yeah. on it. They're, uh, they're getting into uh, virtual reality and, and that type of stuff. And, uh, and wanted to move me into business development. And I said, ah, I'm not that guy. I can't do that. Uh, I'm face-to-face, belly-to-belly. And they understood that, and they get it, and and they're all about it. But this seems to be the new way of doing business uh, on it, uh, business development. Because there's so many people out there that all of a sudden, it's like churches. <laughs> When the word got out that churches were buying cameras and lights, it was like everybody just swarmed on it, you know, because they wanted their share of the pie uh, on it. And uh, so that's kind of about what's happening now, you know, that all the streaming and all of that type of stuff, you know, programming, 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 you know. The big LED walls. Yeah. So Ari is getting into big... LED not walls. building them or no. anything like that. They're partnering with people at the moment. I'm not sure where to go. I don't know that much about it, other than it uh, it persuaded me to, to retire. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it, you can you can light that in a computer. Yeah, you can. There's a lot of that going on, and it's and it's different. Uh, you know, I I think we'll the world's changing. I mean, it really is. You know, some of it for the good, some of it not so good. In my humble opinion. Uh, on it i'm not sure what to make of all this uh on it you know if you want to be in the business this is how they're doing it and you should learn how to do that uh on it i agree i i I think you can or you can get left behind or you can get left behind or you can just choose to exit maybe you in the wrong profession (laughs) (laughs) uh on it you know because at the end of the day i mean what they're doing is cool stuff and believe me, there's smart people doing it uh, on it. And uh, but when you spend millions upon millions, like hundreds of millions of dollars to build these studios, and they rent for fifty thousand dollars a day uh, on it, still takes a while to get the millions back. Sure. And those people are venture capitalists, and they want their money. Yeah. So, how many of these studios are there going to be? You know, yeah. Who knows? Do we even need? Do we even need? I mean, I've more. been on them. I mean, there's it's something. It's different. You know, it really is. You know, and they were working right along, just like they're shooting a television show or a movie. So, I mean, they got props and prop people and makeup and the whole thing. You know, what's different is the background. Yeah, but I don't think the background. I, I don't. I still think there's a place for conventional filmmaking without computers. <laughs> well, you obviously need computers to make movies now, but 
You you know what I mean? Not relying on yeah. motion graphics, yeah, CGI stuff to tell your story. Well, the I think part of the problem is that it's all about the money. It's like we talk about the music business. <clears throat> is it about the show? Or is it about the music? You know, when the words say, uh, you know, she left me last night and didn't even say goodbye. You know, that means something. You know, those words. Everybody feels that. They almost know that feeling, what it's like to break up with your girlfriend. You know, lots of people know what that's like. Mm -hmm. And especially when that girl just thought she's done. Or that guy. And don't even say goodbye. You know, there's a lot of soul in that. So that's about the music. I think what's happening in the film business is about the money. Uh, You know as quick as we can get in as much as we can get. Yeah, I mean they're 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 there to try to make money and they do. Well, they they have do a to. great job of yeah. it. Oh, they do and they make a lot of it. Some movies don't though. They no. take a bath on a lot of movies they too. They do. You're right. Yeah, that's true. They do. And so I think it's hedging bets. Yeah. Allocating money. Yeah. Try it's gambling. <laughs> well, the, it the is. Studios and, are gambling. But the weird thing about it is is you got, you know, I mean, are all these different folks in it together? Are they in competition with each other? You know, the Disneys and the and the Hulus and the Amazons and they are, is everybody jockeying for position? I don't know. I'm asking the question myself uh, on it. Yeah, and, I think they're probably all competing with each other as hard and fast as they can. Yeah, would be my guess. I don't know how they do it. I, There's so much of it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> how do you deal do that all the time? I don't know. And that's kind of what's happened with Ari. Uh, on the, the the marketing department runs it, in my humble opinion. The guy that's in charge of it is good. Uh, I think he thinks he's better than he is, but <laughs> what do I know? Uh, he lives in New York City, and I don't. Uh, but um, it's, God, they don't ever stop. <laughs> I mean, whoa, 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 it's like a machine. Boom, 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 boom. Now, you know, we're going to do this show. We're going to do that trade show. We're going to go here. We're going to shoot that. Let's go here. Blah, 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 blah. Wow. It's a big machine. <laughs> big machine. And and you don't want to stop it. You, you don't want to try to. You can't. You, well, it sure is going to be hard to get going again. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. But they've worked so hard to get it to there. So it's doing that. Right. Yeah. Which in turn is where they are. I say adios. And I'm blessed enough to be able to do that. I mean, not everybody can just say, see you later, you know? And I just so happen I can, you know? It's like when they used to say, baseball been very good to me. You know, now I get to say, lighting been very good to me. <laughs> so do you feel like with a new age of filmmaking seemingly coming along, as LED technology and battery technology have both gotten so much better at the same time, mm-hmm. lights are able to be smaller, powered by less electricity, and there have been companies that have entered that marketplace selling lights mm-hmm. at a fraction of the cost of Airflex mm-hmm. and doing a really good job for yeah. what most people what most people's threshold is as far as they're watching it on a television. I could show you on my phone right now a letter that was written by an area executive that I got this morning. Just that same just same thing on it. And he compares it to, you know, 
you're trying to get away from film and do the digital stuff. You're trying to, uh, uh, do you want bicolor LEDs or do you want uh, red, green, and blue LEDs? You know, one's brighter than the other. One's more efficient than the other. One takes two, fade, three faders or whatever of DMX, three channels of DMX or this or that or whatever, right? But at the end of the day, and he in the letter admitted that they're doing that for a lot less of a price than what Aries says are fixtures for. Because Aries is a firm believer in color uh, on it. And the camera captures color in a certain way. And if you can't light it so that it looks the color that it is, and you can't do that because of the way that it, this takes color or that takes color or whatever, how does it take color? And what color does it take the best uh, on it? So they believe in that wholeheartedly. And they're willing to they're willing to fight for it. One, I think they probably know they made a mistake on this new light. And two, is that's who they are. They are the very best at it uh, on it. Areas. Areas. They really are. I Do mean, you think that uh, that uh, they're, they're kind of proprietary, making their cameras proprietary to their lights? It seems to be that way, don't you? And we've said it before. Have uh, you? On it. Do they go together? Do they work together? Really, really well, better than everything yeah. else. And I guarantee you they will because we have metadata in this new light uh, on it. Yeah. Imagine, a, imagine this. I mean, really, that you can go on a computer and say, that light's coming from blah, 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 you know, give the coordinates of where it's at uh, and degrees and longitude and latitude. And it will tell you how many feet off the ground the head of the light is, what the tilt of the light is, what optic is on that light, what color temperature is coming out of it, and what's the intensity on it. And sometimes you want to say, can't you just look at it and tell that? (laughs) 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 But it's not us. They're doing it. They're looking at it when they're doing the edit. So they can virtually take that and put it somewhere else if they want to. Really? Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I mean, my son Ron's here tonight, and he knows more about it than both of us probably do uh, on it. Uh, There's a way to do it. I mean, I think that these days, if you got enough time and money, you can do anything. Kind of appears that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it's almost scary. uh, On it, but I don't know if it's putting people out of work or just putting a different bunch of folks in work or something. You know, I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing by any means. It's just different. And and I'm almost glad to, you know, I thought I was going to get out of this business when it went to, uh, you know, high def, uh, high definition. You know, I thought, oh, I'm going to get out of here before it does that, you know. Well, first it was 16 by 9. It went to 16 by 9. Yeah, you started to see, I can't, I can put my stands there. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Can't you see that? <laughs> so that was the big deal. How, how? Where do we start to put the lights now? Do we... Do we get a brighter light because it's farther away? But, you know, the truth of the matter is that there's a lot of people out there that study lighting, and, and I don't really study it, but I, I read the stuff that these guys study. And, man, there is so much to it, how far away the light is, you know. Is it is it a hard light? Is it a soft light? Does it have diffusion on it? Does it do this? Does it do that uh, on it? And it all, mathematically, they can make that matter. It could be better if you did this, so it was better if you do that, right? Uh, and uh, 
And I think that's good. I just, I, I mean, I guess if that's the way everybody's going to go, that's where you're going to go. You know, sometimes I just want to go in there and just light something. I'm dying to do it, to be honest with you. Um, I've told everybody out there, I, I don't really want to work, but I would like to light something. Uh, on, you know, you should do it. Yeah, I'm going to try to. I want somebody to pay me to do it. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to go back and show people just how good it can be. You know, I want to, and I don't have to have anything special to do it. Just do it like we did in the old days. You know, really, that's all you need to do. Uh, on it because that's what we're doing anyway we're just doing it a, a different way you know and it depends on what camera we're shooting with you gotta start taking that into consideration because they're so fast now they don't need as much light they don't need as much i tell people they need as many lights but not as much horsepower uh, mm, yeah right yeah still need to put a little slash over there a little little kiss over there you know this little thing happening the so fixtures need- are just smaller yeah but the thing about it is they can get smaller and, and they and they can do it. I think it's hard to get the horsepower out of them when they're smaller, but I could be wrong uh, on it. Uh, but all of a sudden those lights become, that's all that light's good for is just to do that, you know. And I think that's okay. But I was taught that you can always make a big light little, but you can't make a little light big. Yeah. So buy a big light and make it little and dim it or whatever you got to do. I don't know. Well, man, you, uh, like I said, I, I can't beat a single person in this town who probably hasn't been, or, you know, who hasn't been profoundly impacted by the work that you put in at the beginning of your career in the TV yeah. industry here. And I don't know, I've always wanted to meet you and yeah. I'm so uh, glad that we got to do this and to chat. Yeah. Oh, you get excited when people, you know, somebody wants to meet you uh, or uh, on it. But the good thing about it is, is that people realize that this just didn't drop out of the sky. We've been doing this a long time. And a lot of times what people do is they get on the bandwagon because they're, they themselves are just now figuring it out. Even though it's been around for two years. <laughs> <laughs> They're just figuring it out themselves. That, oh, this is all new and everything. And sometimes they try to promote that and stuff like that. And, you know, you want to say, it's two years old, you know, but you can't because that's the kind of society I think we're in now uh, on it as far as the people in charge and, and what they're doing. And and I'll probably never get another job after they hear this, but, you know, <laughs> the, but I'm okay with that. You will too. Uh, on it. Uh, you know, uh I've done my thing and it's been good and my son's in it and that's kind of an honor, you know. I mean, I'm humbled that people know my name, you know. I hope it's in a good way. They, You know, like I said, I got a bad reputation there for a while and the, the message would drop, but the delivery sucked. And But I was willing to back it up in those days. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll fight you or I'll turn the lights off or whatever you want to do. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, on it, You know, and... uh that's not the way to go. Right. It's, it's it's nowhere close to it. Got you in trouble. Got you in trouble. Yeah. It did. It, it really did. And you look back on it, you say, I probably should have had a different delivery. Yeah. Uh, but I was just good enough that they didn't fire me. <laughs> that once. <laughs> you know, that's when I started saying, oh, I must be pretty good at this. Because 
I deserve to be fired, but they're not going to fire me. So there must be a reason. Well, I, I, you've got to be proud to have like uh, your, your name live on in the in the business oh, for absolutely. another for another generation here. Absolutely, it's a it's a great thing. Uh, well, I was just getting over cancer last year and uh, and things, so I learned a lot about that. You know, life in general, and uh, uh, th- that you know, death's a real thing. It happens. Everybody's going to get a chance. You, you had know, to look at it, huh? I looked it right in the face. Really? You know? And it's scary. I got to tell you, it's scary. But it's always scary that, the, to me, it's just the journey from here to there, that part right there, the stuff in the middle, that's the scary part. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, let's hurry up and get there one way or the other. But I don't like this yet. <laughs> yeah. in, in the middle? In the middle, I didn't yeah. like it at all. I figured, you know, I'm a believer, and I figure I'm probably going to heaven, and that's a good place, and uh Oh, I could go on back where I was. <laughs> like it too. Yeah. Uh, on it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you got through it. I am too. Yeah, it was a battle. It really was. And people told me it would be, you know. But I, I thought, well, how tough can it be? I'm a tough guy, you know. It's but, tough. Oh, it's incredibly tough. Man, uh, you got to want to live. It. it has to be, man. You have to want to live. I mean, you got to fight for it uh, on it sometimes. And if you don't, you won't make it, you know. But if you do, you can, you know. Like I said, I've talked to lots of people said, I know so-and-so that's been through this, or I know that guy's done that or, or whatever. And so, and then they would say, they say that, you know, it's going to be the battle of your life and everything. And I say, well, you know, it can only be so tough, only be so bad. I thought, but you don't know how bad it can really get uh, on it to the point where you're, you're trying to hang on uh, on it. Uh, Man. So it's kind of, it's, it's different. You learn a little something from it. I, I feel like cancer survivors are some of the most grateful people I've ever met oh, in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful and humble. <laughs> I love that. It's a, uh, it's a, it's great a good place combo. Yeah. It's a great place to be, uh, on it. you know, when you've quit worrying about it all and do the best you can. And, uh, you know, that's about all you can do, you know? Well, I feel grateful and humble well, uh, for you. having you here it. and for, for you sitting and chatting with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's been and, fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, know. man. And yeah. Uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. I hope so. Have a great evening. Thank you, sir. See you. Bye-bye. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you guys next week. Got another good episode coming up for you. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. We'll check you soon, all right? Pitchwire, play me out.